Morning, Home Church. God's presence is here this morning, amen? Today we're going to go on a journey together. So I believe the message I have for you today is prophetic in nature, especially with everything that's going on in the world, everything that's going on in our own personal lives. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the verse that I read when I started this series three weeks ago. I can't believe we're already almost done with the month of January. But Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. We talked about the first week that we need to have the extraordinary mind. That is the mind of Christ. That is his thoughts, because as we've learned, the Bible says it's his thoughts and his ways that are much higher than our thoughts and our ways. Amen? We need to have his mind, his mindset. It's so much bigger than ourselves. That is what we need to have. And if we have that, we will see extraordinary things. And then last week I talked about how Jesus said we need to have mustard seed sized faith to see the impossible. Just that little bit of faith. Then we'll see God do the impossible, like removing a mountain and cast into the sea. And this week, are you ready for this week? Because this week, it's about taking a small step to see extraordinary things. I was reading this morning in Luke chapter 4. I didn't even plan on saying this until I told the uh, production and worship team this morning when we did, did rehearsal and run through. But Jesus was implored or, or, or compelled by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness. And, and the Bible says that he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit before the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he stood. He stood on God's word. I mean, he is the word, but he spoke it and he stood. And the devil kept coming at him. And the Bible even says that there were many other temptations. There wasn't just three, there was many. But Jesus stood. And we just sang this morning, Defender, and how there's this one phrase that says that all I did was stand. Well, this morning, what I believe God is saying is it's time to move forward. You've stood long enough. It's time to move forward. And see, last week I talked about how when Jesus said, you know, mustard seed size faith to remove a mountain. What if God is telling us today, right here, right now, to conquer that mountain? That's what we need to do. Church, we are not here just to have church. The church is not here on this world just to prosper, be blessed, be healed. We're here in this world because we're the light of the world. We're here in this world to be the opposite of darkness. We're here in this world to be used by God to do extraordinary things. So it's all fine and dandy that we stand. It doesn't mean you never stand. But I believe we live in an age and a time right now where God is saying, move. So I want you to say this with me. Take a hike. Because <laughs> this morning... <laughs> I'm going to tell you to take a hike. And if I could be a little transparent, there are some things I've known 
for quite some time my own personal walk that God has been telling me it's time for you to take a hike and I've resisted and I've stopped I haven't done it up until the beginning of this year and that has made an extraordinary difference in my life like I feel different than I did last year and that's a good thing I mean I'm here I am year two of a pastoring home church and so I'm on this journey with you and when God says take a hike then I want to know what my next step is and so I believe I've got some things for you to think about and to chew on and so with that let's pray Father I thank you so much for everybody that's in here this morning those that are watching online Father I thank you for each and every one of us that are here Father I thank you that the words that come out of my mouth they're prophetic they're going to hit every one of us in here differently but it's going to change our lives because we are going to take a step we're going to take a hike we're going to begin that journey this morning as home church as individuals that have been called by you to do extraordinary things because it's by your spirit that we're able to do those extraordinary things so father i thank you that there will be open minds hearts and ears to hear and receive this morning and that what I say is what you want me to say today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I was talking about a, a small step. What came to me was Neil Armstrong. When they landed on the moon on July 20th, 1969, he stepped off the lunar lander onto the surface of the moon. That's pretty extraordinary. I know there's some conspiracy theorists out there that said it never happened, but it did. And this is what he said. He said, that's one small step for mankind, for man, one giant leap for mankind. The thing is that caught me, caught me up here a little bit was that he didn't really say that because what, what I've learned through interviews with him is that the microphone kind of went in and out. He actually said that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. And when he was interviewed, he gave an explanation of how he came up with this, and I thought it was really interesting. He said, I thought about it after landing, and because we had a lot of other things to do, it was not something that I really concentrated on, but just something that was kind of passing around subliminally or the background. But it, you know, was a pretty simple statement talking about stepping off something. Why it wasn't a very complex thing at all. It was what it was. Your step, your small step is not really complex. It just is what it is. Got to do it. And it's important to, to understand that because I think as a believer, as we are on this journey and following Jesus, and maybe you're in here and you never decided to trust in him and you're not following him right now, but once you do, the journey is really not that complex. And the Bible is not that complex in the sense that we can read it and understand it. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation, while the Holy Spirit also gives us direction for our life. And whatever small step is that you need to take moving forward, I'm here to tell you, as Neil Armstrong says, it's really not that complex. For him, it was just to hop off the ladder. For us, it's to take one step in the direction of our mountain. So what is your mountain right now? 
Instead of looking at it as you have been and standing and saying, be thou removed in Jesus' name, it's time to start hiking it up. It's time to start getting to the peak of that thing and conquering it. Because everything depends on it. The day and age we live in, whether you're in high school, college, workplace, whatever it is that you're doing, this day and age, it's time for the church to get lit, if I can use that. Sorry, youth. It's time to get lit. Because the things that God's going to do through his church, if we can take these steps together, then they're going to happen. These extraordinary things that we read about in the Bible that we're hungry for now, today, to see in a church are going to begin happening. So how many, mountains do we, how many mountain people do we have here? Are there people here that just, yeah, I know, Colorado folks and all you, really? Now, I'm a beach person. I've said that publicly. I have no shame in it. And believe me, you mountain people that are young, as you get older, you're going to want the beach because it's warm. I'm telling you. And I like the mountains. You know, I've, I've done my fair share of hiking when I was uh, growing up in Virginia. I did a lot of hiking along the Appalachian Trail as a Boy Scout. So I'm very familiar with the Blue Ridge Mountains, hiking mountains, and sometimes they're really difficult to go up. But there are three mountains in the Bible that I want to talk about where it all began with a step, whether it was one man or a group of men decided to take a step and begin their journey up that mountain. And what happened when they got there was absolutely extraordinary because they took that step of faith. God rewarded them with something extraordinary. So the very first mountain I want to talk about today is Mount Sinai. So if you return to your Bibles in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, we're going to go a little old school today through some Old Testament scripture. So here's Moses, is kind of set up a little bit. God delivers them out of Egypt, uses Moses, an ordinary person, to do something extraordinary. And they get to the Red Sea, and of course, God splits the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea, and now they're on the Sinai Peninsula on the other side. And they decide to camp out at Mount Sinai. And this is what happens. And I love this, because this is when God rides in like a boss. Verse 16 all the things that you stereotypically think of God is going to happen right here in front of all the children of Israel as they're camped out at the base of this mountain. It says, On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. How many of you would tremble at that? I certainly would. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, that's, oh, that just hit me. That just hit me. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. They're standing. But that's not what we're supposed to do forever. Wow. Verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and what did Moses do? He went up. 
That's freaky, isn't it? A little scary? How many of us would be just content with just standing there at the base of the mountain like everybody else? But one man decided to go up the mountain, take a step up it, was not afraid of what was to come. God said, come on up here. He said, yep, I'm going to do that. He takes a step. And I love this because what this mountain represents, and maybe there's some of you in here today right now, this is the mountain that you're facing, is that you need godly direction. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. The age that we live in, the age that you live in right now is an age of uncertainty. You don't know what to do, where to turn, left or right. Well, Jesus said just to keep going forward. Maybe today you need direction. And with Moses, that's exactly what he needed during this time. God, here we are. You told us to go here. Here we are. We're out of Egypt. We're no longer in slavery. I've led the people out. Here we are. Now what? What do you want us to do? So what did God do? He gave Moses what? The law. Here's Ten Commandments. Boom, 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 right? Here's the law. Direction. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. They got that direction. (laughs) How quickly did they disobey that direction? Hence the golden calf. Already started to violate the Ten Commandments. But they still got the direction. But it took a step. It took Moses taking a step up that scary mountain to encounter God, for God to do an extraordinary thing. And we're going to see here in a minute how Jesus refers to how he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. God used Moses in a tremendous way because Moses was willing to take a step up that mountain. If you need direction today, you don't know where to go, maybe God has placed in you something that you need to do. And you just need to do it. Or maybe you have no idea And instead of being in a state of paralysis, it's time to move. And if that's you, then you've got to trust God that he is going to move on your behalf when you move. There's this thing called, I don't hear God. Why isn't he talking to me? Why isn't he giving me the next step? Why isn't he giving me direction? Well, maybe what he's telling you to do is trust me and just take the step. I already know what you're going to do. I'm going to be there once you take that step. So just take it. And I have no idea what it is for you. Again, I feel like this is prophetic. There's some of you here watching online that are waiting for direction. And God is just saying, take a stinking step. Because watch what I do when you do that. I feel like there's somebody in here that is waiting for a job. And there's plenty of jobs out there. But it's not management position take it take a job take anything sow a seed of faith take a step in a direction and God will give you the direction the second mountain and before I get into that let's say hike that mountain the second mountain is Mount Carmel and I love this mountain and I actually uh, went online and looked at all these mountains how they look like today Man, there's some creepy-looking mountains, let me tell you. So, yes, God was on, on, on Mount Sinai, but it's kind of a creepy-looking mountain. Mount Carmel is even more creepier. So here we go. First Kings is where I want you to turn. First Kings chapter 18. 
So it sets us up. The prophets have been pretty much wiped out by Ahab. These are God's prophets. There's about 100 left that went into, uh, into hiding. But Elijah was the one that was going to lead. So Elijah comes on the scene. And before we get to there, let's go to verse 20. So Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. So here we go. Here's a point where basically Elijah came to Ahab and said, you know what, I'm going to challenge this Baal God that you all worship. And I want you to come up to this mountain because I'm going to show you something that's going to change everything. So in verse 21, Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? Who? that question is for somebody in here. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Mount Carmel represents unbelief. And again, I, I feel like I keep beating a dead horse, but we're in a time and age right now where I believe this is rampant in the church. Because, and I'm not saying there's people that don't believe in God. I'm saying we've gotten into this place where the devil has finally started to kind of see some victory, although he doesn't have it. But he's seen some, some uh, opportunity, let's put it this way, that as we're in this time, that this spirit of unbelief is on a lot of people. God, where are you? I mean, how many of us have asked that question? L- listen, I was sick with COVID in November of 2020. My wife and I both. We were in bed for like 10 days. God, where are you? Are you going to heal us? Or are we going to end up on a ventilator somewhere? What is going on? And as time goes on, as this continues... How many of us are questioning, where is God? Is he really there? Hey, maybe there's some of you in here that have not trusted in Jesus. And you're wondering, is there a God? Look what happens. Because the children of Israel took a step and went up Mount Carmel... God does an extraordinary thing, and this is what he did, uh, beginning in verse 36. So if you're in 1 Kings 18, go down to 36, skipping a few verses. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that's our God, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that the people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering in the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, let no one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them back down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Wow. 
That's amazing. How many of us in here are watching online can relate? We need to see God move. We need our faith to be strengthened. It's like the man who, who needed, uh, needed his daughter, and I'm getting this, this the, the story's confused, but said, Lord, help my unbelief. It's the same thing. That step right now is just to go ahead, Lord, help, help my unbelief. I know you're there, and I, and I know that you are God, but I need you to come through. I need to see. I need to experience your presence. I need something to happen in my life. And the step you need to take is simply believe again. The step you need to take is what they did. Oh, Lord, you are God. The Lord, he is God. It's cry out to him again. This mountain of unbelief, that's your first step. And then God will lead the way. They had an extraordinary encounter with God, but maybe their next step, maybe your next step, if you've never done it, is to receive Jesus. Maybe your next step, if you need to, is to come back and say, Lord, here I am. I've walked away from you. I'm coming back to you. Maybe that's your next step. Say, hike that mountain. So we've covered two. Mount Sinai, need godly direction. Mount Carmel, Lord, help my unbelief. This mountain, we're getting into the New Testament, it's Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is the highest mountain in all of Israel. Matter of fact, it's the only mountain in Israel where they have a ski resort because it actually snows enough so that they can go skiing in Israel, which is kind of neat. But this is where people believe that Jesus actually transfigured on Mount Hermon because he was ministering in Caesarea Philippi, which is right near the base of that mountain. So it makes sense that this is where they were when Jesus transfigured. So beginning in Luke chapter 9, that's where I am in now in the New Testament, verse 28. I'm going to go through this. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. So a week after, a week after these sayings, what were these sayings? Why, do, why does Luke point this out in this account of the transfiguration? Because it's important. It's important to know what was said before they went on this mountain. So picture you. You're part of the disciples and you're following Jesus. And he says these things. Jesus said to them, Luke chapter 9 verse 20, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. So you're hearing this. What, wait a minute. You're your disciple. You've seen Jesus do miracle signs and wonders. You're hearing the words that he's speaking, that extraordinary mind, that extraordinary faith, these extraordinary steps. You're hearing and seeing all these things, and then, bam, it hits you like a ton of bricks, like it hit Peter, who, by the Holy Spirit, said this, that you are the Christ of God. That's pretty heavy. That's one of the things that was said. Luke chapter 9, verse 22, Jesus said this, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Oh, wait, wait a minute. But you just said that you were, you were God. How can this happen? Uh, you die? What? Where, where Peter said, far be it from you, Lord, and Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. See, Peter didn't understand that the plan of God required that Jesus, the Son of God, had to die on the cross and be resurrected. I was one of those things that was said. The other thing that was said, 
Going on in verse 23, Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever would, for, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Wow. I mean, these things were incredible. So, okay, so you're, you're the Christ of God. You must die and be resurrected. And I have to pick up my cross and follow you. They didn't even know what, they know what a cross was, but they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. I have to lose my life to save it? What, what does this mean? These were the things that were said. So when these things are said, the disciples had to see they had to see confirmation. Now, I don't know if they knew that or not because they've been watching and following Jesus all this time as he's doing miracle signs and wonders, but I think God knew there needed to be confirmation. Just like God knew that when John the Baptist baptized Jesus and he came out of the water and the heavens split open and they all heard this voice that this is my son whom I'm well pleased. God knew that people had to wake up, that there had to be confirmation but it all began with a step. Say, hike this mountain. So going on into verse 29, Luke chapter 9, verse 29. So they're up on the mountain now. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So they did. They went up the mountain to pray. It was estimated that they didn't go all the way to the top of Mount Hermon, but on a slope somewhere. And the timing was probably early in the morning. So imagine this. I mean, Jesus comes to the disciples. He only comes to three of them, Peter, John, and James, and says, wake up. And they wake up. You know what time it is? What are we doing? Jesus says, follow me up this mountain. So they took a step. They began to hike that mountain. And they got to a place on the slope where they began to pray. Because Jesus said, we're praying. Basically, he's inviting them into his daily routine. Going alone to be alone with the Father. He invited them along. Chose these three for a reason. I'm going to talk about it here in a minute. But these three came. And they did what he said. And then these two men, after he transfigured, after he transformed, this is, this is a word that means to make more beautiful, where all of a sudden God fully in, in the flesh as man transformed into God as he is right now in heaven. His glory is so significant, so amazing, so beautiful. Nothing like this has ever been seen before. Nothing. But one day, if you're in Christ, you're going to see that in heaven you will see him in all of his glory. And as this is early morning, and Jesus transfigures into his, his godly, beautiful glory self, the, what I imagine is the sun starting to rise over the horizon, and the sun pales in comparison to his glory. So why Moses and Elijah? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. This is extremely significant that 
Elijah and Moses appeared alongside Jesus when he transfigured. His confirmation that he, exactly as he said here, I'm the one who's going to fulfill the law and the prophets and everything they've said and foretold about me and my coming. And they had this conversation, Moses and Elijah, with Jesus because these two know what it's like to take a hike. These two two know what it's like to take a small step and see God do something extraordinary. So Moses, his journey, his, his coming out, if you will, was to take them into the wilderness out of Egypt. And because of their sin, they couldn't, he couldn't leave the wilderness to go into the promised land, but he began that journey. With Elijah, well, we all know what happened to him. He was taken into heaven by a chariot of fire. So, Jesus, this is what it's like to go on this journey. This is what it's like to do this, do this thing that you're going to do, take this small step as he went up to Jerusalem to enter into, heaven, uh, enter into Jerusalem through, uh, through the, uh, the east gate to be able to go to the cross. Jesus was getting encouragement here, I believe, even though he was already transfigured in his glory. I think that's amazing. Verse 32, and this is where it gets really interesting. I want you to pay attention to what I'm going to read and what I'm going to say because I believe this is where we're at as a church. Maybe you're saying, well, I don't need direction. I'm good. Or maybe you're saying, well, I already believe. I'm not worried about nothing. COVID, whatever, come at me. I'm standing in faith. I believe. I'm not disheartened by anything. I know God's in control. Good for you. So then probably you're going to fit on this mountain. This is the mountain that you need to conquer. This is a mountain you probably don't even realize is there. And I'm telling you, this mountain was, is still something that's in front of me that I'm having to hike up, that I'm, I've had to take some steps. Every day, as Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. I'm having to do it. So I believe that if, if, it's, if God is speaking to me about this, this, this mountain that I'm about to talk about, then I believe it's also meant for all of you and all of you watching online. Verse 32, now Peter and those who were with him were what? Heavy with sleep. Hello, church. Are we heavy asleep? Wait a minute. Wait, we just read in the verses before that Jesus transfigured. His appearance of his face was altered and his clothing made dazzling white. And he's sitting there talking with Moses and Elijah. And they were talking about what he had to do, what he had to accomplish in Jerusalem. All this is going on. Peter, James, and John were as heavy as sleep. The prophetic word here is we got to wake up. Because if we don't, we're going to miss out on what God's already doing. I don't want to be heavy with sleep anymore. And let me tell you something. It is so tempting, man. The devil is smarter than we give him credit for. I started to think about 9-11. What happened at 9-11? Those of you who were alive during 9-11, everybody went to church. Now, it was short-lived because those churches eventually began to empty out. 
back to pre-9-11 days, but there was a season where the churches were packed full of people because they didn't know what to think when 9-11 happened. So I'm sure our enemy, the devil, thought to himself, can't have that happen again. I mean, how many people got saved during 9-11? So next big world crisis I'm going to do is going to drive people out of church. So now everybody's isolated. Everybody's, no offense, watching online. Everybody's scared. There's fear. And I'm tired of it. How many of you are tired of it? It's put the church to sleep. God's doing things right now. But how many of us, like Peter, James, and John, were heavy with sleep? Listen to the next phrase, and this will encourage you. It's never too late with God. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with them. We need to wake up. Now, I don't know. I have no idea what it is that you need to wake up from. I don't know what it is that you need to begin to conquer that mountain of apathy. That's what it is. That's the big mountain I think most of us in the church are facing is apathy. All right, maybe you're, you're not a believer and you're here or you're watching online. And I go back to the last mountain of unbelief. This mountain applies to you as well because you're in the natural right now. You're still asleep and God wants to wake you up. And the only way it's going to happen is if you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you, and then you'll begin that awakening process. But if you're part of the church, meaning you're in Christ, you receive Jesus, there is a step that all of us need to take. I don't know what it is. I can't sit here and look at you, each one individually, and say, take this step, take that step, take this step, take that step. It's whatever God has placed in your heart, and I believe you know exactly what it is, because I sat on it for months and I'm tired of being asleep because I want to see his glory. I want to see people heal. I want to see people set free. I want to see the church explode. I, I want to see us get up off this table of, of, of apathy. So what is it you need to do to become fully awake to see his glory? What is your spiritual next step? Verse 33, and as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, this is what Peter said, and all of this, I've heard it preached so many different ways, but this is what I want to say to this as the Spirit leads. Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. You know what he's saying? Let me just tell you something, man. When you're in God's glory like that, when you're in his presence, you're like, I'm, I just want to stay right here. I don't want to leave. And it's so easy to do that, right? I mean, I believe, man, worship today was amazing, wasn't it? Man, God's presence was heavy. He was, <laughs> his presence was so heavy during rehearsal, I didn't want to leave. But you got to. In the sense that you've you got to wake up and you've got to keep moving because you've got to get people in here. You've got to be a good witness to people that you're encountering out there, whatever your life situation is. It's not just about in here. 
So Peter was just voicing what all of us feel when we're in his presence. Is I don't want to leave here. Set tents up. Build a house. Build a fortress. I don't want to leave here. And God said this. Because as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. Here's that cloud again, right? God coming in here like a boss. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Just like the children of Israel were trembling at the base of Mount Sinai. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Confirmation. There you go. Everything he said, true. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. I have no idea how that's possible. The Bible says it, so it's true. But if I saw something like that, I'd be screaming from the mountaintops. It's because his time was not yet for everyone just to know that he is the Messiah. There's a reason for that. There are a lot of people looking for the Messiah to come and militarily take back Israel from Rome. This was not what Jesus was doing. He came to save the world. This was not their idea of the Messiah. But today, when we wake up and we experience God's glory, he expects us to say something. Amen. What was amazing was the transfiguration of Jesus transfigured Peter, James, and John. It, that's what God is, is. He is interested in relationship. Yes, it's about his glory, and yes, it's all about Jesus. But he also wants us to be partners with him, partakers with him. Your mountain of apathy He's calling us right now, saying, come up here. Come on. Start hiking. Don't tell him to remove it anymore because that's what I was doing. Lord, take this away from me. Take, you know, this thing that's, that's heavy on me. I just want it gone. He's, all he's saying to you right now is, no, no, no. Begin the journey. Take a hike. Come on up here. Take a step. You do that, you're going to see something amazing. I'm going to do something extraordinary. It's going to change you forever to the point where you're not going to be silent. You're going to tell everybody. So why, Peter, James and John because I struggle with that why were they chosen to be the inner circle if you will because we talked about that months ago in this, in this church about how we need an inner circle well Jesus chose them for a reason to come up and experience that that amazing thing he wanted them to be transformed because the very next things they were going to do huh, were amazing were extraordinary not because of their own strength or their own power or their own might but because of the Holy Spirit they had to see this so that they could do something else. Because there is going to be a day for them that Jesus was going to leave them, physically leave them. Peter, first leader of the church. Holy Spirit fell on him on Pentecost in the upper room. He jets out of there and preaches the Sermon of a Lifetime. And 3,000 men, just men, not counting the women and children, whomever else got saved, got saved. He had to lead the church. He needed to know. But he still had to take that step up that mountain. 
James. Still really don't know why he was chosen, but he was the very first martyr. Herod had him beheaded. Why? Well, common sense, that when it was time, he was probably a very militant evangelist. Praise God for it. To the point where Herod was like, I'm done listening to you off of your head. First martyr. Then John. John. Talk about steps. The only disciple at the foot of the cross getting the mission from Jesus that you must take care of my mother. And because of that, that step, he lived beyond what everyone else lived as far as the original disciples. Everybody else was martyred. He was not. Because of that, he wrote the Gospel of John, which is the love gospel, which we quote all the time in church, don't we? What we quote all the time when we're out there in the world witnessing as we should be for Jesus. First, second, third John. Oh, by the way, exiled to Patmos, received the revelation of God about Jesus' return and the coming kingdom and the new heaven and the new earth. Wow! But they had to wake up. And the only way they were able to wake up was take a step and go up that mountain and wake up. And that's what God is waiting on for us. Not just home church, but us individually. If everybody would please stand. Let me hear you say, hike that mountain. An extraordinary step is required to see God do extraordinary things. That's the big idea. It's a small step, just like the mustard seed sized faith. Just a little bit. It's going to go a long way. And that mountain's removed. The small step, it's nothing huge, but like Neil Armstrong, it's a small step for you, but it's going to be a giant leap in God's eyes. If that's you today, then I'm, I'm, listen, this is not about seeing how many people I can get up front. This is not about looking good up here and, and worshiping and, and making a show. This is about you coming up here because you're saying to yourself, you know what, I'm taking that step today because as soon as you do, you're going to see something extraordinary. If your first step in conquering your mountain is to receive Jesus, if you've never received him ever come to the front. I'm asking you to come down now. If you're somebody in here who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's you. I'm asking you to come down here now. If, if you are in a place right now a spiritual slumber, there's no condemnation here. I'm telling you, I was there. Then come down here now. If you want to see God do something extraordinary, the way He does it is that He fills you and He does extraordinary things through you, an ordinary person. Take the step. We're going to turn down the lights and we're going to start this next song because as soon as you do, you too, I believe, will be transformed. So come on down and worship with us.
sing that one more time. Hallelujah, 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 my King. Last week, we were closing out with worship last week. I'll share something a little personal. It's just that, you know, I'm eager for us as a church and for individuals to really begin to move in, in whatever God has for us to see extraordinary things. And last week was a step as people came down to the front, much like all of you that are down here now, which I believe there's still more people that need to come down here, but that's okay. What he said to me, was do not despise small beginnings. Man, everything, everything with God begins somewhat small. And see, for those of you that are up here right now, get ready. Because my word for you is, this may seem like a small beginning, but God is going to do something extraordinary in you and through you because you took this step. And right now, there's, there's no condemnation. I'm just saying, I'm giving you opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move right now. If that's you that still needs to take that step, well, we're still here. I'm not going anywhere for a little bit. Come on down. It's significant. Yeah, but I'm doing it in my heart. No. Yeah, that heart is where it really needs to be, but taking a step in the natural physically moving that is faith in action and I'm so encouraged by the young people that are down here the next generation is the now generation I just don't feel like we need to move from this place right now just thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus, right now you're transforming hearts. As you transform from your man self to God, I believe you're doing that right now in the hearts of these people that are here, those that are watching online that are taking this step. Father, I just thank you that your presence is thick in here. Whatever it is that we need, you know exactly what it is. Maybe for some, it's just food for thought, but I praise you for those that have moved. If, if you're here and you're down here and you need to receive Jesus, maybe you've never done that. Let me see your hand. Maybe you're still out in the auditorium sitting with the general, the general congregation. That's fine. If that's you and you need to receive Jesus, right now is the time. Raise your hand. I'll pray with you right here, right now. Drive a stake in the ground. This is the day, January 23rd of 2022. You've received Jesus. If that's you, then be bold and raise your hand. I like to say this every time. Ain't not one of us in here that's not a hypocrite. There's not one of us in here that still does not sin. We are sinners saved by grace. I'm not here telling you I got my stuff together. I'm here telling you I don't have my stuff together. That is why 
As Jesus said, I need to pick up my cross daily and follow him. I believe there's somebody in here that needs to make that decision right now. Because all you're going to experience is love. Is our love God's love? If that's you, then let me see your hand if you need to receive Jesus. And if you're online and you're watching, if that's you, then make a comment and we will pray with you. If there's anybody in here that needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If that's you and you have not taken that step, maybe that's the mountain. Huh, that was a mountain for me. Well, let me tell you something. I, I got two witnesses in here that will tell you when I took that one little step of opening my mouth, bam, that's you, and you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, then let me see your hand. I believe I have one hand right here in front of me. Okay, awesome, praise God. Anybody else want to join this one? All right, and for the rest of you, it's waking up. Congratulations, today is the first day of you beginning to wake up. You will see extraordinary things. You will see God do extraordinary things through you. You will see God do extraordinary things in your life. Today's the day where you're saying, I'm ready to go forward. I'm ready to fight for Jesus. I'm ready to make a difference in this world as his church. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go ahead and pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for this one right here who's decided to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, just like receiving Jesus, it's a gift that requires faith, and she has taken a step of faith by raising her hand, by coming down to the front. Father, I thank you right now that when she meets with a prayer team member today, that that's going to happen. She's going to be speaking in other tongues. Lord, she's going to have the power to be a witness for Jesus, Father, a powerful one. Father, we thank you for that right now. And right now, I've just declared healing on her body, that a walker is not necessary anymore, that she is going to walk in health and prosper even as her soul prospers, Father, in Jesus' name. And Father, I want to thank you right now for everybody else that's up here. I thank you for them taking that step, that they're looking at that mountain. They're not just saying mountain be removed. No, Father, they're saying, I'm going to take that mountain. I'm going to start this journey and hike it. So Father, I thank you for their step of faith today. I thank you that you're gonna meet them where they're at. I thank you that you're gonna do mighty things in them so that they can do mighty things for your kingdom. Father, we pray this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So listen, everybody, I'm gonna say, I know I'm not Pastor Elijah, but I'm pretty excited right now. I know, God. I, I know God is going to do extraordinary things. I'm excited about what he's doing in this church right here. It began the day. It's begun a lot earlier than that. But who's excited about coming here next week? Yes. More importantly, who's excited about going out now between today and next Sunday and being Jesus to the world? That's what it's about.